0: It's the Score North Twin Show.
1: Up, we were down. We were all over the place in the game. Uh, good team on the other side of the field, but our team is, is tough. And uh, we kept working. Never, never uh, relented. Really, at any point, um, I, I had chills
2: after the game. I was so impressed with our group that you know, not not every game. The, the game-winning
1: homers sometimes, you know, everyone's talking about, and it's great and, and all that. Um, that's how you fight and win a ball. That's what it looks like. That's what actually fighting and winning a ball game looks like. Okay, De- Declan prepared us for that Rocco clip before we clicked record here and turned the microphones on and said, your heads might explode when you listen to Rocco describe that extra innings win yesterday. I, shockingly maybe, I stand with Rocco. OK, not every game is going to be clean. Not every game is going to be aesthetically pleasing or play out the way that you want. Sometimes you're going to be down by five. You're going to make some dumb mistakes in the field on the bases. And what have we said about this with like the Vikings in the past? Just overcome it. Who cares? Overcome it. If you're the twins, overcome it. Some, overcome some of the self-inflicted stuff. I loved that win for the twins yesterday. And I thought that was one of the biggest weekends of the season for the hometown nine fight. me, Fight me.
2: They won three or four, but here, so I don't. Okay. They won the game, but this show, a lot of times we talk about self-awareness. The quote there is we got a lot to clean up. We're very fortunate. Thank God that we won, but to get chills, I had chills, too. They were flu-like symptoms from watching <laughs> the absolute, like, the the. it's one thing to have a game where things go against you, right? Which, you know, sports constantly, like, to overcome adversity of things that you can't control. But to sit there and shoot yourself in the foot all of those times and for the manager to say he had chills about it, Joey Gallo, Donovan Salon, I mean, the extras were a breakdown in how not to play baseball and were an indictment in some ways of the manager himself. Like, what's Joey Gallo doing? Dude, you go and pinch run for Vasquez at second as the man for man, and I get that. And he claimed he was tagging up. That's a bunch of crap. If you're tagging up, you're on the base waiting to go. He's trying to – you don't tag up and scurry to get back. Like, what are you doing? And Solano (laughs) ran into and out at third base and said, "I we go on contact there. We go, well, maybe you shouldn't go on contact there, dude, because he scores. And look, Texas, Texas was atrocious too. Texas played a terrible game too. So I'm not making excuses and saying, well, the Rangers played well. This was horsebly, but it's highest – Level and all, I'm looking for from Rocco is the self awareness to say, you know what, we're incredibly fortunate, but we will be working. We will be working on our base running tomorrow before the game ends Cleveland.
1: Declan, remember a couple weeks ago yeah. when we asked the question, yeah. "Hey, Judd, if the Twins win a playoff game, I'll be disgusted. Will, will, will yes, you, you? Will you be happy?" And you said you paused and said, "It depends on what it looks yes. like." If Declan, like- I think we have seen this. <laughs> yeah. y- yesterday's win thank has you. has. Irritated Judd to no end that if that was a playoff game, you would right, Declan. I think yes. we I think we nailed this.
0: I uh, I was gonna put out yeah. yesterday after his like last tweet of over under oh. Judd rant two and a half minutes to start the twin show on on just the disgustingness that did take place in the extra ray I innings. think you hit the over. I think you hit, hit the so over. So bravo, Judd.
2: <laughs> and there are little league teams. There are little league teams every Sundays at Target. Field are kids get to run the bases day post game, okay? Every one of those little kids that ran the bases knew more than Solano or Gallo about what they were doing in those ninety feet between the bases or so on Sunday. it's, yeah, like, it's like
1: it's like some six-year-olds and like, Joey Gallo running straight to second base from home plate. You know, dude, no, you gotta, a, go, you gotta go this way. Dude, it no, was a out.
2: foul out to first base. It wasn't like to the outfield. It was okay.
1: Uh let's dissect this first second. By the way, welcome into the Score North Twin Show, where we just want the twins to win a damn playoff you know game. Okay. You're right,
2: though. I would not be happy with this. If this was a playoff <laughs> win, I will get on here and I will vehemently say this is exactly what I was talking about.
1: And the, and the, it's the State of the Twins Monday here, presented by our friends at Modest. We'll get we'll get back to the Gallo thing and, and a bunch of key categories and, and whatever, but uh Modest has a glorious tap room in the North Loop. In fact, my wife and I were walking around in the area. We went to the game on Friday, and we walked right by it. Um, uh, usually, I would go in. We were we were trying to get back home. But right next to Target Field, cans available in liquor stores throughout the metro, including the 19-ounce stovepipes of some modest mainstays. That's right, 19-ounce stovepipes. <laughs> uh, the Super Deluxe Premium Lager has been my go-to modest throughout the summer here. It's one of the coolest crap breweries in the Twin Cities, opened in 2016, steps from Target Field, modestbrewing.com. Modestbrewing.com. Okay. Um, before we get to uh like the, the official state of the twins thing, let's just the, the gal. I've been thinking about this gallo base running blunder since it happened. So it's five to five, I believe, it was it was a tie game. It was five to five, right? Uh bottom of the eleventh inning. And for those of you who didn't see this, yep. Yep. So we he he has come in as the Manfred man. He is the the runner on second base to start the inning. So there's nobody out. And a pop up is hit in foul, not even like near the foul line. I mean it's so where well if it if it drops, I need to be ready to move to third base, right? This is a pop up that is drifting out of play toward the dugout. Twins dugout. To the first uh, the first base dugout. Yep. Yep. And so and so Rangers fielder goes over and makes this catch, kind of, like, catches it and kind of leans over the railing, like half of his body kind of goes over the railing. He looks up, he fires a missile to second base, and Gallo is, like, frantically trying to get back to the bag and gets tagged out by a mile. So there's no danger of the ball being fair, right? I could see, like, oh, if it's on the edge, you want to be, like, halfway, maybe so you can get to third base with nobody he else. He
2: was leaning over, like, he he, he almost tailed himself on the dugout. So yes, that ball was going to be out of play before yes. it was ever going to drift back into fair territory. So play. he was Correct. either
1: just completely spacing out on his secondary lead and he's still just standing out there paying no attention. Or some people have suggested it was actually a heads up play that he that he initially tagged and then and then started it was off camera maybe he had tagged. Maybe someone who who, who saw like who was at the ballpark can confirm. Did he tag is my question? Because if he tagged and the ball was caught, we couldn't see him when the ball was caught. He might have been thinking, if he catches it and falls into the dugout, then I'm going to tag up and run to third, right? But if that happens, don't you get the extra base anyways? Or would you have to tag and actually make an effort to to go to third? He did.
2: So I I was there. He did tag, but he screwed it up so badly. So he tagged. The guy caught the ball. He got, I mean... He was literally, though, steps off the base. And then he's like, oh, I can't make it. And then he, like, went Larry, Moe, and Curly and stumbled and fell down, (laughs) then tried to get back up. But, I mean, it was just, no matter what it was, it was just a, he was completely unaware of, like, what the results might be. And you, again, you are the free runner at second base. You can't afford to lose. Now, in a playoff game, that does not take place, of course, because the man for man... Goes away. I understand that. But it was just the sort of like, what the hell are you thinking? Like like if he had been thrown out a third, I'd be like, okay, that was a risk and I don't love it, but I get the play. Like that's a big league. That's a big league mistake. This was honest to God, a babe ruth league mistake.
0: Yeah, this has been enough for me at Joey Gallo. Like it's just yeah. it's 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 time to Preach. go. What 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 Preach. else do we need from Joey Gallo taking up a roster spot here? And that was like I, I went back and rewatched this. I found this on YouTube. Remember in 2009, the ALDS, when Punto ran over third? Like, Denard Span, it's a, it's a great double up the middle. I think the Twins were down two runs. Would have been John runners Born at second pissed. and third. And uh, Punto runs past third base. A-Rod sees it, and him and Jeter basically tag him out, no problem. That is the style of play that Judd is talking about, though, that will cost you a playoff game. Dumb situations like that. And for me, I'm even more out on Joey Gallo than I've already already been.
1: Uh, offensively, by the way, uh, and then we'll move on to other things here, many of them more positive than this. If you take away the random four-hit game, you, hell, you can even include it in the numbers yeah, I'm yeah. about to give you, but let's just take that. Ra- he had a random four-for-four four game like a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago. If you take that out, Joey Gallo has five hits since July 17th. That's, yeah, a, six, that's, that's- a six. That's a six-week stretch. He has five hits in six weeks. And 40 strikeouts, 40 strikeouts, five hits. Now let's add the four hits back in. It's still only nine hits in six weeks with 40 strikeouts. Yikes.
2: Declan's right. I
0: don't think it's hyperbole to say he's one of the most useless baseball players in major league baseball right now. I think he's one of the most useless baseball players in major league baseball. I hate to be. And I
2: think, and I think if you rewound to like, if you put the season he's having in 2019, I could justify it because the ball was juiced and jumped out of the park, but the ball now is not juiced. And and to Declan's point, this is where you need guys who are going to come off the bench and contribute. Like this is again, between the margins, right? The sort of between the margins. What's the, what are the little, what's that little percent that's going to make you better than the team that you're playing that day, especially in a playoff game. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, that was one of the worst. The, the extra inning fundamental breakdowns was difficult to watch for me.
1: So let's let's get to the state of the Twins here. I've got the overall snapshot for you, and then yeah. I've got three categories. Okay, so overall snapshot: Twins are sixty eight and sixty three. Based on their run differential, which is like a it's like it's like plus fifty, I want to say somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. They should be a 70 or a 71-win team instead of 68, so they're actually underperforming their run differential right now, hmm. according to baseball reference. But they still remain six games ahead of the Guardians. The Twins' offense from last week is up from 19th to 14th in runs per game scored. They've had
2: post-all-star, some... Yes, Post-All-Star game, it's a lot better.
1: You are but, right. But the Twins' run prevention and pitching is down to 7th in runs allowed per game. The magic number... Is 26? 26? And Cleveland in for
0: three three now, so that could could be
1: 20 if you sweep them. Mm -hmm. According to Baseball Reference, the Twins have a 95% chance to make the playoffs. Fangraphs gives them a 96% chance to make the playoffs. So they have virtually clinched, barring some crazy circumstance. Uh, Baseball Reference, 3% chance to win the World Series. Fangraphs, 4% chance to win the World Series. If the playoffs started today, right now, the three seed Twins would host the six seed Houston Astros in a three game wild card series.
2: But with the way things are trending and baseball can change quickly, they are on the precipice of hosting the Texas Rangers, who I can tell you right now, I wouldn't mind getting. That bullpen's not good. They can't hit right now. Now, that could change quickly. But um, if you get Texas. If you get Texas in anything that resembles the current state, let's just say you'd have a pretty damn good chance.
1: Yeah, it's tough though now because like Texas is going through their worst stretch of the season. It could turn around completely in a yep. month from now, so there's still they so hit. many things that could start to hit. Yeah.
2: I will say this: I I don't like their bullpen. I don't know that that bullpen is going to be good.
1: Yeah, they're they're going to have to win games like seven to six and yes. nine but to five and stuff. You. Right, you're right. So category number 1 gentlemen Royce Lewis and uh Edward Julian as well I'm going to put both these guys into this talker are among the uh hottest starts to a Twins career in franchise history so this morning thanks to our friends at stathead.com I went in and I plugged in the first 50 games of of a Twins player's career minimum 100 plate appearances and and I just sorted it by OPS. Have you seen this uh, this list? By the way, Did you, Declan probably saw it on Twitter. I a tweet. Okay, yep. but have you have you combed Impressive. through? Did you study the the table no. or? So can no. I can I quiz you? Sure. Okay. Who do you think which Twins player in history got off to the hottest start first fifty games? OPS or oh, on base plus slugging? Oh, oh boy. Actually, if you can name the top three, anyone in the top three. Edward Julian, fourth.
2: Oh, wow. Royce
1: Lewis, 14th. Okay. Um, Top
2: three. Is Kent Herbeck in the top three?
1: Kent Herbeck is 10th.
2: Is Tony O'Leary in the top three?
1: Tony O'Leary is number one. He is. So he had his first 50 games, which, by the way, he played uh, a few games in 1962 and then a few games in 63. And then he then he was Rookie of the Year in 1964. Yeah. So his 50 games came kind of over the course of a few years. He had a 1068 OPS, yeah. a 387 batting average in his first 50 games with nine home runs.
2: Hall of Famer. Um, t- 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 let me let me give this a little bit of quick thought here. Rod Carew.
1: Rod Carew is not in the top 20. Oh wow, that's surprising. Okay, I'll take one more guess and then we can move on because I'm. It's kind it of fun, actually. Kind of
2: All fun. day. Um, I'm going to guess Kilbrue doesn't qualify because he started as a senator.
1: I'll I'll give you a hint that the the other two in the top three are are uh, of more of the modern era. In the millennium. In the millennium. In the two oh, thousands. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And they're both um, very. You be, you're going to be like, oh yeah, totally. With both these guys. In the two thousands. In two thousand. In the year two thousand. Interesting. Um one of them we like to we like to chant his name.
2: Well I'm sorry, Submit, we chant, about it, so just... chant
1: might not be the right word, but like we like to say his name, his first name. Lou Ford.
2: Oh God, okay. Yeah. Just give give, give me the last two. I'm, okay. I'm, you, I I wouldn't I have no chance of getting Lou Ford. I wouldn't Lou, really years.
1: Lou Ford batted three. Yeah, I, I thought it was like one of the most pro him and, and Minkiewicz, but Minkiewicz <clears> kind of came up and stopped and started. Right. Uh, but Lou Ford came up and batted like 400 in his first few weeks. He had a three fifty one average through the first 50 games. And then Miguel Sano has the third highest OPS through the first 50 games. He had 13 homers and 40 RBI in his first 50 games as a Minnesota twin.
2: Yeah. He did get off to a good start. That, that's Insane. true. Yeah, that's not surprising.
1: I'm just going to read you the other names on the hottest starts in Twins history: Oliva, Ford, Sano, Julian, Mike Ryan. Yeah, Rich Rollins. That's way back. That's 1961. Yeah, the 60s. Joe Mauer, David Ortiz, Steve Lombardozzi. Maybe Dex hey, can look that Lambo. one up. Who's that? What A Lambo, Lambo. Yeah, perhaps
2: Declan can look that up for me.
1: Kent Herback was tenth. Marty Cordova eleventh. Josemil yeah. Pinto, twelfth. Oh yeah, Ooh, really. Luis Ariz, thirteenth, just ahead of Royce Lewis. Dave Edwards from the late seventies. Denard oh, yeah. Span, Greg Nettles, Williams Astadio, <laughs> Danny Valencia, and Danny Santana are the. Those are the twenty hottest starts based really? on OPS to a Twins career. Yeah,
2: that's a hodgepodge of names right there.
1: Some that's are some of the greatest Twins players of yeah. all time. Some are complete busts, like Mike Ryan. And then Royce Lewis, you'd think maybe this is a good sign for his career, but the Grand Slam. So Royce Lewis, too, in, in high-leverage situations through those first 50 games. Royce Lewis, this is like close, late, game-on-the-line, high-leverage situations. Royce Lewis is hitting three seventy one with a six fifty seven slugging percentage. He's clutch. He's smooth. He's charismatic. I don't know what more you want from a guy.
2: I don't. He's good. He's good. He's very good. He should be your, I mean, I I would prefer that he plays third base as much as possible. And I believe he was a DH on Sunday, but yeah, no. Royce Lewis is the type of baseball player that puts a smile on your face. He's fun to watch. He makes baseball look fun. He is, um, he is a guy who when, when he delivered the grand slam, like there's a genuine excitement too. It's just, he, he is, if we're talking about cornerstone type of players, he should be a cornerstone player for a long time. I really like him. Yeah, so.
0: outside of probably Maurer, and I know Luisa Rise became a fan favorite pretty quick, but Luisa Rise was not like a perennial top three organizational prospect, wasn't he? I don't remember him being no. one of the three no. best in the organization. He was a deep guy and just was a natural hitter. Royce Lewis is like the first real homegrown potential, because he's still young, superstar at this franchise, has basically earthed. I believe since Joe Mauer,
1: am I wrong? I mean, yeah. Well, now that we know what happened with Sano, and now that we know sort of like Buxton's career, right? It's a great exercise. Yeah, some of these other guys. I mean, Denard Span was homegrown, but he never rose solid superstar. Royce Lewis
2: has the potential, but I mean, there there was a time when Sano and Buxton seemed to be tracking that way as well. So, like, it's like the thing about Royce is he has torn his knee up twice. So it, it, it is a, a bit of a hold your breath on the injury front. But yes, I think he has I think he has both the talent and charisma. Cause that's what I'm as good as Joe was, he he didn't have that. Like yeah. Royce Lewis has he's got something about him where if it was more um acceptable or frequent to name captains in baseball. Royce Lewis strikes you as a future captain. You
1: know who he actually reminds me of the most in terms of homegrown twins players the last like 25 years is Tory Hunter. He's got some, loves yeah. the game, plays with a joyfulness, but all, a follow me, he, but also yes. a little, there's a little bit of an edge.
2: He seems like what I, and and Tory definitely fell into this class. He seems, and he clearly was not, but like a pucket influence guy.
1: What? Pu- uh, well, Torrey Hunter like, wasn't like was very much yeah, a Puckett-influenced no, Tor, guy. Torrey
2: was, but Royce Lewis seems like a Puckett-influenced oh. guy. It's like he watched or was around Puckett, which he clearly was not. But, you know, Torrey Tori and that group picked up so much from Puck as far as, like, how they approach the game. Yeah. And and they're, they're sort of boisterous, but I think it was pretty popular clubhouse demeanors. Um, I don't know if Royce is super boisterous, but he seems like a guy who sort of has has the same type of love for the game that Puck did.
1: Yeah, I think – yeah, and somebody – we did a, a Purple Daily live show at the State Fair, and thanks to everyone for, for coming out. And it turned into kind of like a Scornorf twin show too because we were taking questions from the audience. It was therapy.
2: Just it turned therapy. into a
1: therapy session. And somebody asked you about, is there any way you can draw a comparison between the 1987 Twins and these Twins? Because the 87 Twins – You know, they won like 85 games. They won a bad division. They were a flawed team. And then they went on a buzzsaw run through the postseason. And we kind of keep coming back to that team had some bona fide cornerstone stars on it. Even though the full team only won 85 games, you still had Kirby Puckett, who was one of the best players in baseball. And Kent Herbeck was one of the best hitters in baseball. I do wonder if there's a post like a, you know, an 87-91 Kirby Puckett, postseason explosion for a Royce Lewis Joe Maurer never had that Joe Mauer was also injured for a couple different postseasons yep. like Maurer even Torrey Hunter like those teams were just swept out of so many playoff runs it's been a long time since we've seen it really it's been 2002 AJ Pruszynski had a grand slam there were some, some big performances when they got to the ALCS but it's been over 20 years since we've seen someone from a Twins lineup say I'm gonna go gangbusters here and just I'm gonna have like eight RBI in a series and carry this thing. I think Royce Lewis has that in him. I really do.
0: And that's where these young players are gonna be the heart heartbeat of this team in the playoffs. It it's it's the reason why I believe if there's gonna be a postseason moment, it's gonna be a Royce Lewis or a Kirloff or an Edward Julian type of hit. It's can Carlos Correa maybe be that guy? Sure. But I'm not counting on that. I'm I'm honestly counting on one of these young guys being the one in the bottom of the seventh in a high leverage situation where you need a big knock that they're going to come through and not maybe the veteran that you paid a lot of money to.
2: Yeah, it's certainly possible. The thing too is, um, and I I think if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as part of the clip or the post-game press conference that Baldelli had on Sunday, there, there was some point where he was talking about the, the difference that the guys that Declan is discussing that they were, that they weren't here previously, like, you know, Maddie Walner wasn't here, and so and so wasn't mm-hmm. here. Yeah, exactly. This is why they're here now. Like, it, I agree with Declan. I think the young players, like, if there's one thing about this team where my attitude has changed, I think the young players have not only brought a, a lot at the plate and played well, but there's also sort of a refreshing way about things, right? Like they they appear to enjoy this. They appear to there, there's a lot of things that they cover up, and it does go back to this is why one. They should play, which they are more now. And two, this is why they belonged here. Like you were sort of making guys earn their way. And my question was why? Like when Joey Gallo was playing a ton, it's like Matt Walner. I think Matt Walner can play. And so like, I do like the fact that it feels like for the most part that there is an acknowledgement now about the difference that these kids can make just next time when a team baits you into the, Putting Julian in the on deck circle, Rocco. Oh, here we Please go. do nah. me a favor and don't burn him. Seriously, man. You know how many things yesterday could have lost you a playoff game. You know how many things you got. Bruce Bochy, did you? Bruce Bochy, did you? Well, there? He's won
1: like multiple World Series too, dude. There's yeah. There's no shame it, in getting bochied yeah. Okay. No,
2: I know. But here's the thing. I would rather have Kyle Farmer face the righty than get cute, knowing full well that in the bullpen, in the bullpen, you got more guys on your coaching staff than God. Somebody say, "Hey, Rocco, there's a lefty up. They're going to bait us into burning Julian,
1: or Do just let, or just Julian. or just let Julian. If you commit it, because the rule is, if, yeah, that's fine. If the yes. guy in the on deck circle is announced, right? If he's announced as a hitter coming to the, he's play, in the game. He's in the game, and Correct. if you then take him out. Even if he did not get a plate appearance, he can't come back in the game. Correct. So in that situation, you're probably better off either just rolling with Julian, right? I don't know, but well,
2: not Christian Vasquez. Okay. That's my only thing. Again, I'm looking at the playoffs here.
1: Actually, can we, at, let's, let's uh, get into another, you know what? I'm going to kind of at this. I'm, I disagree with something that you said was a mistake. I, I, I mean, everything you've said so far, the Gallo stuff, uh, the getting out, chessboarded with the Julian thing. There's definitely things to nitpick, and I agree. And I have issues with Rocco, whatever. But there was something you thought was a bad move on Saturday that I thought was actually a brilliant move that we're going to get to in just a second. After we say hi to our friends at Nutrisource. Nutrisource Chicken and Rice is the go-to breakfast, (laughs) lunch, dinner, and snack of Maya Mackey. We also have uh, other Nutrisource dogs on this show. It's the official dog food of the Scornar Twin Show.
2: Yeah, look at that. Stella right there taking a picture with, with her training re- rewards treats. In some ways, you, you could say that Nutrisource has scored a score north hat trick mm-hmm. because we got three dogs and every one of them, including the Vinster, right, Declan? Oh, loves yeah. their Nutrisource.
0: Yeah, Vince, Vinny's a switch hitter. You can put a righty or lefty. It doesn't matter. He's going to he's gonna get both those Nutrisource treats, whether you go lefty, righty specialist. Does not matter. He's a, he's a switch hitter. He's ready for the assignment. You don't have to worry about subbing him in and out. He's ready for his Nutrisource no matter who's on the mound.
2: Pinch-hitting for Vincent Goff. (laughs) Christian Christian Vasquez.
1: Nutrisourcepetfoods.com. Nutrisourcepetfoods.com to find uh, a Nutrisource retailer in a year. Now, let's say you've had... A little too much Nutrisource. You've been overindulgent with your Nutrisource, and now it's time to lose weight, okay? If you're a human, anyways, you can call our friends at (laughs)
2: Livia. Stop eating Nutrisource. Yep, 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 no, Phil is exactly right. In fact, my friends at... Livia Weight Control Centers have been named Minnesota's Best Weight Loss Program. Again, a hat trick, three consecutive years. Three years in a row, 14 years of changing lives, and that calls for a celebration, and that celebration right now is, if you join now, three months free. That's right, three months free. A hat trick of months in which you are going to drop weight, feel fantastic, and you are just starting on a program that is going to work. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A Livia.com Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Don't eat Nutrisource, but if you're enjoying that human food and a bit too much, your <laughs> next call or your next check to the website should be livia.com. dot com.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so on Saturday, the only game that the Twins lost to the Rangers here, we go into, I'm just going to pull up the details here too on a baseball reference. So we go into the eighth inning. It's two to two. It's a tie game. And the Rangers, number one, two, and three hitters are coming to the play. These are the these are the three best hitters in the Rangers lineup. You had Marcus Semyon, Corey Seeger, and Nathaniel Lowe. So yeah, it's a tie game. It's not a safe situation. And the twins turn to Duran here. So they had so Pagan got through a clean inning and they decide, okay, now that the lineup's turning over, he got the bottom of the order out. That, and that's how you should use Pagan. Lower the leverage for him, the better. Now they bring Duran in to face the three best hitters in the league and one of the best one-two-three hitter combinations in the in the entire game, right? And Duran buzzes through these guys. Uh, actually, there was a there was a single, and then he buzzes through with the strikeout, and then gets the uh, gets the strike him out, throw him out, double play, and that was a wrap on the inning. And I saw Judd and a lot of other people complaining, and then and then Griffin Jax comes in for the ninth and. He's in the middle of a bad stretch here, and things go haywire. Four runs score. Dylan Floro came in after Jax made a mess of it. But I saw Judd and some other people saying, well, why would you burn Duran in the eighth? Why wouldn't you wait for a better spot to bring him in? This was the perfect spot to use Duran. Tie game, eighth inning, three best hitters coming up, and you got to put out this fire. So I thought, as much as we rip Rocco on this show and some of the Twins' philosophies and whatever, this was a great example of not being beholden to a closer's role. Oh, he can't mm-hmm. come in unless it's a save situation. You got the three best hitters. If you don't get them out, the ninth inning might not matter. So I actually loved the deviation from the roles in the eighth inning there. And then, of course, like you're going to have to bring other guys in later. You're going to have to bring in Jax to face those three guys or somebody else. They made it easier on Jax, and he still couldn't get the outs. To me, it was a great decision that just didn't have a good result.
2: And if Jax was pitching well, that the problem is this, and I I think my frustration on Saturday was born from the fact that once Duran got done, and that's fine, I guess, uh, that Jax is struggling now, and like that. So, to your point, it became a mess, and it's just—I think my frustration is. It would be very nice to have a little bit more uh, trustable bullpen depth there. Because I I get your point uh, on Duran, and I actually don't have as big a problem with that, probably. It was just more of a frustration of the fact that Jax came in, and it's not like he's going great guns. And it became a mess, unfortunately. Um, And then Floro, who actually did get the win on Sunday. um, Floro, I don't really trust much. So, I think that was my frustration, though, was the fact that you, you were going to back end it with a guy who you would hope is pitching well, but right now, and again, Jax has gone back and forth, too. So in his defense, I think he got off to a terrible start, rebounded with a really good nice stretch. That was more of, of my point, but it would, just, it would be nice to have more depth. But I'm the one who said, too, in their de- defense, I wouldn't have made a big trade for a bullpen arm that you trust would be nice, but if the going price was high, I'm not going to bolster this team by trading away more of the future. So I guess in some ways, this is what you're going to get, Mm -hmm. which is if the philosophy is correct, you don't have a guy now behind Duran that you trust. This is what's going to to take place at times. And it could take place in a playoff game, too. Like, that's right. They could do this. This This could be the blueprint to loss 19 in the playoffs, which is it's right to send Duran in, but if you do that and Griffin Jacks is scuffling, you don't have another guy unless you unless you're gonna go to a demoted starter potentially to bring in after Duran.
0: But that's also the cards you're dealt. Like if, if you if you have decided that this is clear your playoff roster, which it mostly is right now, and you burn Duran in that high leverage situation in the eighth, I mean you just gotta eat your lunch there. Like the Brewers did that with Josh Hader a few times in the playoffs a few years ago with counsel. Like he brought him in like in the fifth when the middle of the mm-hmm. order was up, and I was like, what are they doing bringing in their, well, it's the middle of the order. Games on the line. Games on the line. Doggers. You can't wait yeah. until the ninth to use your best pitcher if you need really three outs right here, right now. And I like that move. Yeah, Guardy was always like, nope, if Matt career is our setup man, he is our setup man. We are not burning Joe Nathan in the seventh or eighth inning here. It's Matt career It's into Jesse Crane. It's into Joe Nathan. It's going to follow that suit. If you need outs right away from your best arm, got to use them right there.
1: Yeah, so I guess the other option would have been because he only threw twelve pitches, you you could have potentially dragged him out there for a second inning.
2: He's not pitching great right now himself, though, so I I do sort of get that.
1: And if you do bring him out for a second inning, he's not available to pitch in a game yesterday, for instance, that's close and down to the wire. And he did, yeah. you know, he pitched a clean tenth inning to keep that game going. Does somebody else? That's the chain of events. Like if you go two innings with Duran on Saturday, there's no guarantees you win that game and then he's unavailable Sunday, does somebody else come in and blow the game on Sunday? So, I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree. The ultimate answer is they just – the frustration is they need better relievers overall.
2: Well, here's my question in the playoffs. Let's put them in that exact predicament. If that's the predicament, does Louis Varland for – if you just say, get me three outs – Does he become an option instead of – if Jax is scuffling. Now, if Jax is back, he's probably fine. But if Jax is scuffling, is a guy like Varland who can just go out there and throw gas to try and get three outs, does does he become an option that clearly you don't have right now because that roster is not set?
1: This is a perfect segue into the final final section (laughs) of our State of the Twins here. And that is Dallas
2: Keuchel should start every game for the Twins.
1: You're close. You're getting close. Uh, it's just the the bull the bullpen structuring in the postseason is the category, and so uh, the athlete Dan Hayes from the Athletic tweeted this yesterday. The Twins didn't add to their bullpen at the deadline. Instead, they're considering converting starting pitchers Louis Varland and Kent Maeda to relievers for the playoffs, as well as hoping for help from Brock Stewart, Chris Paddock, or Jorge Alcala. So those are three guys who are injured. I think you have to put them off to the side. But the Varland and Maeda thing is really interesting because now all of a sudden, if 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 you're telling me, hey, okay, my, my starting rotation for the playoffs is Jorge Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan, who came back and looked looked like the old Joe Ryan for the most part in his first start back, right? So those are your three starters. And so now I get, in addition to Duran, Jax, Thielbar, the, the usual suspects, now I also get Louis Varland to tinker around with, and if he's if he's channeling all of his energy into, like, 25 pitches, you get one inning, 25 pitches, he's throwing really hard, right? Kentamaeda, Maeda, who we'll get to in a second, has a storied career as a playoff reliever. And I would even throw a third name in that mix. Dallas Keuchel came on in relief yesterday. They handcuffed Dallas Keuchel to Bailey Ober. He goes five innings, kind of a classic Dallas Keuchel, a lot of weak contact, you know, some, some batted ball luck, but it was five scoreless innings they don't have many reliable left-handed pitchers at all at their disposal. He can come in, get a ground ball, double play, face some lefties. So, dude, Kenta Maeda, as a reliever in the playoffs, is lights out. So in in, uh, in three years with the Dodgers, he was strictly a reliever in the bull. So he was a starting pitcher in the regular season and then strictly a reliever for three postseason runs with the Dodgers between 2017 and 2019. In 21 relief playoff appearances, a lot of them in the World Series, by the way. He had a 1.64 ERA with 27 strikeouts, 5 walks in 22 innings. Opposing hitters hit 185 with a 275 slugging percentage against Kentomaida, Maeda, the reliever in the postseason. And he's facing like world ch- defending world champion Cubs lineup, cheating Astros lineup in 2000 whatever 17 so I'm just saying like their their bullpen gets a lot better by just putting Maeda and Varland and maybe even Keichel in the mix with some of these other guys and Keichel can be handcuffed too I I mean that actually did work out perfectly
2: Mm -hmm. because over is not pitched well of late for sure and you know he gives up the the five runs Keigel comes in, and yeah, he doesn't throw hard, but he pitched five. He held them hitless, the Rangers, for five innings and pitched really damn well. Um, Maeda and Varland, especially, I think, give you back end help. Uh, so I think I think Varland is probably a guy to your point, Phil, that that you say again, especially if you don't trust Griffin Jacks by that point fully. He's a guy who comes in, and you're just like, throw as hard as you damn can.
1: Let's hump it up, dude. Yeah, Miami I like that be idea. Both
2: ways, but yes, I do think that the bullpen substantially improves. If it's used right, I think it substantially improves, and I'm with you too. If Joe Ryan can put can string together a bunch of appearances, like what we saw on Saturday, he's back to my three. Mm-hmm. Like, he's back to my three.
1: Yeah, and, and it's either if, like – it's basically basically
2: the wild card. I don't know if he's on my first-round roster.
1: Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, if because if you really wanted to, there's a bunch of guys. You don't need Dylan Floro. Dylan Floro has – the best version of Dylan Floro is really helpful to you in the postseason, but if you're right. not getting it, would you – how much do you want to lean on converted starters as relievers right. in the biggest games of the season? Who and can Maeda, do it?
2: To your to what you're saying, has done it before. Yep, so I've know got he no can do concern. it. No concern there.
1: You should. What you should do with Varland is you should – if that's going to be the case, you should test that out in September – when mm-hmm. rosters expand he should be up in your bullpen and mm-hmm. you should just see like can he get can he get loose can he get ready can he can he come in in the middle of an inning and pitch out of the stretch and all that stuff
2: yep the problem now though is because of the rules that have been in place for a couple of years rosters only ex- expand by two players and that's going to be some guys who probably come back i.e. Buxton yeah. and Castro so so it's not the old going up to uh four, you know 40 players per team, but I agree. I would try that out, but I do think in, in those two scenarios, you could have definitely substantial improvement bullpen wise for the playoffs and put yourself in a position where you don't feel like, Oh my God, we threw Duran and now we're going to have to throw Jax. He's scuffling and it comes apart and you are absolutely screwed.
1: Yep. Yep. So I I just, I don't, the bullpen right now, not comfortable with that thing in a postseason series, the bullpen with Maeda as part of it. And with that's the thing, like you don't need five starting pitchers when you get to the playoffs. So you're not, you're not going to be relying on some of these relievers like you would, you're going to be putting better pitchers in some of those spots. So we'll see what they, what they wind up looking like.
0: And I feel like Dallas Keuchel is the break glass in case of emergency guy for a handcuff. So let's say you fall behind three Kind of like yesterday, right? You fall, you fell behind early, five nothing. You don't want to start burning guys that you're down. So can Dallas Keuchel weather the storm a little bit? Handcuff you as your offense maybe figures things out and chips away at a lead. I think that's probably the best way to go about that is to handcuff them with someone because the front mm-hmm. three guy, yeah, if Joe Ryan's back. Front three, I'm I'm good with that. It's if they get to the ALDS or a CS and now you're you know kind of wishy washy on who has to start. because so everyone's tired or burned up, that it gets a little more complicated. But those are good problems to have for a Twins play. Yes
1: or like extra innings too. It's okay. It's a, it's a six to six game. We've already burned five pitchers or something. And there's, it's uh, the Manfred man is not part of it. So these might be 16 inning games. All right, Dallas Keuchel, get out there, man, get out there in the 10th and see if you can give us four innings. So they do have a lot of possibilities that are going to be in play here over the next few weeks. Any other final twins thoughts before we get to the immaculate grid today?
2: No, that was a very discussion. ground discussion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just don't make dumb moves. and you, you might win a playoff game. But, yes, you you guys nailed it. Sunday's win would not have been acceptable in my
1: world. God, I can't wait until the, 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 the day, day both after their it. first playoff can't win can't wait till Joey Gallo since 2004. Under- and Judd is just furious on my the show. My prediction
2: is you will lose that game, though. My prediction well, why? is that you will lose that. You can that make game.
1: mistakes and still win a baseball game. I know they haven't over the last twenty years, but
2: I'm just saying. I think if they're playing the Astros, I think the Astros take advantage there and win that game.
0: I'm already planning. Mistakes. I'm already planning for my fiance to be out of the house for that uh, series. She already. She asked yesterday, uh, "What do you want to do when the playoffs start?" And I was like, "Well, if we love each other, you should probably leave the house for the forty-eight hours." Don't I don't
2: understand, it. though. They've lost 18 consecutive games. There's like no high pressure here. It's just gravy. I mean, if, if it's it gets, true. There,
1: it, there is if zero it the pressure on them, the 20, they're the worst division winner. They're going to have a yeah. they likely have a worse record than the team like that they're hosting. You're
2: expecting nothing. You're not expecting a series win. You're not expecting a World Series like that's where there's pressure. That's where there's a combust combustion in the house, you know, OK, a problem.
1: to that point. Because it's the it's the first time that we've really put zero pressure on them, like fans and media. This, you know, I was at the ballpark on Friday night, just as a fan, wandering around. It's a very casual fan base. You know, people are half paying attention, but people are excited. This is this is more of an exciting sort of pop up feel than maybe it should be. I mean, this is what they should have been the last two or three seasons too, which is where our frustration stems from. And they're and they're underachieving this year too. But I do think. The lowering of the expectations, yeah, probably helps this group going in. And they—they're lying if they tell you that they don't hear it or think think about the streak, the zero and eighteen. You know. And by the way, the the front office for a couple of years could say, "Well, I mean, we're new here." Well, but now that I front know. office is responsible for like thirty three percent of those playoff losses, or that responsible for the it. streak they, was they've fourteen
2: when they arrived. Right. I think it was twelve. Oh, that's right. They lost three to the Yankees. Didn't they? Yes, they did.
1: Three, and including three the, to the
2: what? Yankees, two and, to the Astros,
1: including a wild card game. So forty and the a Yankees. wild card game against the Yankees. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, okay, but that was that was Falvey, but Molitor, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, but under Falvey. Gotcha. But the front office is overseeing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah. definitely hear it. Yeah, they definitely hear it. So they deserve to hear it. Uh, by the way, over at Scornorth.com slash shop, we have unveiled a fun new wing. All right, so we've had uh, we've had the merchandise. Up there for I think like the past nine or ten months, where you can still find all sorts of fun merchandise. But now we have a collectibles wing, where you can get your hands on thanks to our friends at Universal Sports Auctions. These are all buy it nows, by the way. You can get your hands on some autographed, incredible merchandise moments that are framed and signed. Like the most popular thing so far is the signed and framed Justin Jefferson one handed catch. You'll see it on the YouTube screen here too. Uh, plenty available. There's a Tory Hunter. Custom signed jersey in the mix. All sorts of Viking stuff on here. If you're a baseball fan, to the Sandlot. A Sandlot jersey with the cast signing. That's kind of cool. And all sorts of fun stuff. So whether you're looking for gift ideas or just things to put maybe in your man cave or your office, whatever it is, you can use the promo code SCORE to save 10% on all products site-wide. That's scornorth.com slash shop. Click on collectibles. Scornorth.com slash shop and click on collectibles. Boys, are you ready? We're past the drama of last week, right? No one's done the Immaculate Grid yet today without telling the other show members, I don't think.
2: No, I I started the hockey one, but I haven't even looked at the baseball one.
1: You didn't consult with Jesse Pierce, the queen of Immaculate Grid? Maybe do a Judd's hockey Well, I just did one part of it, which Mm. was the stars.
0: I would say uh, the YouTube comments section. It's pretty split On who was in the right and who was in the wrong. Yeah,
1: pretty split. 50% 50 of the audience is wrong. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. 50% of the audience doesn't care about the audience, is what I would say, ironically. But we are all together here, kumbaya, ready to go nine for nine on today's Immaculate Grid Challenge. So here's what we're looking for. We'll put six minutes on the clock. We're looking for a tiger who was once a Diamondback, a tiger who won a Gold Glove and a tiger who won the Cy Young Award. We're looking for a Guardian or an Indian who was once a Diamondback, a Guardian who won a Gold Glove and a Guardian who won the Cy. And then we're looking for an Oakland A who was a Diamondback, an Oakland A who won a Gold Glove and an Oakland A who won a Cy Young. Before we start, I'm going to get us just so we can have some parameters here. Okay. When did Cy Young Award start? Uh, it started, I think, in
2: 1956 In '56, with one Cy Young, and it broke off. In the actually
0: feel like uh, that's the easiest category because there's multiple I can think of for all of these teams in this millennium for Cy. Yeah,
1: Gold Glove was '57.
2: Gold Glove. This is Gold Glove. This immaculate grid is fully unacceptable. Why? First of all, I think it's the Diamondbacks. I don't like new new teams. Second of all, I hate the Gold Glove.
1: Not even, the, very, the, the, the Diamondbacks have been around teams. for like
2: thirty
0: years. 25.
2: Give me more teams, but I want You have want a lot of teams. gripes
0: with the Immaculate Grid. You have more gripes I'm than anyone else. I piss
2: off about it. I want more teams. I like doing players who played for teams. Ah, but th- but then don't play in the
0: Pirates. Ah, th- th- don't put in the Diamondbacks. I want more teams, and then then there's less teams, and here we are with awards.
1: Give me give me more I, teams. I for one embrace today's yeah, challenge. Yeah, me, me too. Definitely. I I love this
0: one. I think Justin we can... Verlander. No, let's put six. Yeah.
1: We'll put six minutes on the clock. Here we go. Okay. All right. So okay. So I mean, is Verlander right? with the one of Cy Young. Yeah. Who else with the? Did, no, Jack Morris never did. I don't think Tigers. he did. We got pitcher of the eighties, but I don't think he. So, Jeremy Cy Bonderman young. never won one. Oh God. uh um, Mike Marath. So Mickey Lulich? So
2: Scherzer, Verlander, Denny oh. McLain. I don't. Because he won thirty games in sixty nine. Oh. I think he won thirty games, which is incredible.
1: I mean, if we're trying to flex our rarity score, I mean, if you muscles, guys want to do the rarity score let's, scores, say, then let's you save can. that one. Let's save the Denny McLean guess for but the. If you don't want to, that's fine too. Let's say let's just save that box for now. Okay. We, can, we, we 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 got Verlander in our back pocket. Kluber, so we know we
0: can do. Kluber, Bieber, Bob Sabath- Feller, Sabathia.
2: Uh, Bob Feller, I think was re- when when did Bob Feller retire? I think he missed the – I think he might have missed the Cy Young window. Okay.
0: C
1: sabathia win one you didn't win. Did no, won one yes yeah. you won one yep yeah so there's at least three right three or four right there okay yeah go ahead and pick your favorite one kluber oh. sabathia sabathia 25 it was good 25 percent okay a's oh, zito vita blue oh i would yeah v- v- vita blue he won the mvp right and yeah, the side yep cover sports illustrated there we go. Twenty-two. Oh, twenty-two percent. Oh, that sucks. I was gonna go Hey, so, for a Cleveland Gold Glove, Omar Vizquel probably won a Gold okay, Glove. Okay, hold on. Ten.
0: Did he play for the Diamondbacks? Vizquel. Yeah.
1: I don't remember yeah. if Vizquel don't. playing for the Diamondbacks.
0: Okay. I thought he bounced around a lot towards the end. I mean, might have. But I, I don't remember. I, just okay. I, don't, I don't remember that. Okay.
1: So we could go. We could go. There's the probably Kitness? other ones too. Kitness? Was he
0: ever a Gold Glover?
1: Gold Sizemore, scores. I don't... Go Glove is so hard.
2: That's a set. Greatest Girls.
1: Boy, Viscount. Sizemore was in there in the Torrey Hunter era. Yeah, that was tough. We yeah. know Omar Vizquel did, but yeah, that's going to be the Omar obvious Vizquel. guess.
2: That's okay. fine. 25.
0: 25. 25, yeah. 25.
1: The, the rarity score is going to be tougher on this one. Uh, I guess.
0: Dan Heron. A's in Diamondback.
1: Yep. That's a good one. That'll be a high one too, right? Probably 15%. 12. 12. Did J.D. Martinez I'm gonna guess play in the for Detroit? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because he played for the Diamondbacks. There you go. JD Martinez. Oh, J.D. Drew would be a good one to guess sometime. Oh, okay, is- we're rolling here. We have four squares left. Uh, we have three and a half minutes Cleveland, to go. Cleveland, Arizona. Did Klubert
2: land with the D with the D backs in one of his uh-huh. cup of coffees? Uh is Boy. this in I don't know. Edwin Jackson. I wouldn't swear to it, so don't do it. What know.
1: about, uh, did, did uh, Jarrett Wright, did he pitch for the Diamondbacks in the oh, late 90s? God, night? is this an
0: Edwin mm-hmm. Jackson? He played for Arizona for sure. I don't know if he played for Cleveland.
1: i trying to think of those like late 90s Diamondback squads. Yeah. Craig oh, sure Council did. never played for Cleveland. Like that's the toughest square. You, know, you, had, you had Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, uh, Tony Womack. He never played for the...
2: Kenny Lofton didn't there. go there. No, Kenny Lofton mm. did not play for the Diamondbacks, as oh. far as I recall. What I'm about a see...
1: goal? Let's let's knock out the Gold Gloves here too. So, Gold Glove Tiger Trammel,
2: Trammel, Sweet Lou probably won one, but yeah,
1: Lou Whitaker. Let's go Trammel.
2: Uh, I Alan think stops. Trammel. Yes. Okay, Alan Trammel.
1: Judd seething and having to explain who Alan Trammel is to that one.
2: I'm not seething. I'm not seething. I'm
1: patient. This week, uh, A's gold glove, A's uh, gold glove. Tejada win one, did he? Did Eric I don't know. Burns win one? We don't uh, know. Mark
0: I, I think it'd be like between Tejada and like Chavez. Both oh, goals. Eric Chavez, sure.
1: Okay. He was pretty good at the, at the hot corner, wasn't he? Eric Chavez this could
2: be wrong, but I think you're probably right. It's
1: so hard. Right. Like,
2: I know that's why, yeah, 20, I, yeah, good. Everything's that's 20%.
1: Hate. That's why I hate the gold glove. All right, so we have two minutes to get. Well, basically, uh, we know that Justin, we can plug Justin Verlander in. It's just, do we want to take a chance on Denny McClain? well You know what? It doesn't even matter because we're not going for a rarity score yeah, today. Yeah, so just go Justin. Let's Verlander. just go Verlander. Let's just I'm let's go nine sure for McClain nine.
2: I'm McLain won one, but yeah, yeah Since we're not uh, Aaron,
0: when Aaron stuff. Boone joined John Boy for a one, they actually were going for the highest possible answers
2: instead oh, of going okay. for
0: immaculate and rarity. Oh, they were, rarity, trying they turn were turn actually trying to go for the highest actually. possible square. That's a good one. Yep. Interesting.
1: So we have we have uh, a minute twenty left to figure out a Diamondback who was an Indian or a Guardian. Okay,
0: former Twins too. I'm um, the Pavano. Did Brad
2: didn't did go Brad, to Brad Hand play for Ooh. the Diamondbacks? Play for, for Cleveland. Cleveland.
1: That Sounds pretty. Brad Hand. He's we'll bounced around.
2: Chaz
0: This might be an Edwin. I know he played for Arizona.
2: He probably played for Cleveland. He probably did play for Cleveland. Um, outfielders. Dudes. Um.
0: Chris Perez. Oh, the closer that you, he was a closer for the Gardo's in like a little bit. Did yeah. he also go to Arizona? That'd be, that'd
1: be a flex. Did, t- did Todd Jones, uh, wait, I don't know if he was Bob he Wickman. Was did he play for the, the Diamondbacks? I don't think he played for Cleveland. Did uh, he for Detroit. 30 seconds. Did Hafner go to the Diamondbacks?
0: Travis Hafner?
1: <sighs> oh my God! My Diamondbacks are probably, sucks. but I don't know. The Diamondbacks are such a it, it's such a transient team. You that's, know? Why I'm, that's why I don't like them. These transients.
2: Uh,
0: I think it might be an Edwin Square.
1: Uh, we might have to try Edwin Jackson here. Okay, let's try Edwin Jackson has played for 14 I, major league I, teams. I think you're We're safe. We're desperate. We have 10 seconds to go. I think you're safe. I think you're safe. Hit Edwin up. Jackson.
2: Oh, oh. I mean, ah. we have had a... okay, I'm gonna look up Brad Hand. I'm just curious if Brad wow. Hand
1: Trevor Bauer
0: the... that would have been the
1: oh, that's the obvious, one. so obvious Trevor Bauer.
0: Damn it, damn
1: it. Uh, uh, 38% of people
0: have gotten that square. That's uh, that's no
2: excuse for us. It's, it's three of us. We're supposed to be sports geniuses.
1: That's, that's one of the lowest uh, percentage squares we've ever seen, though. Only 38% of people got it. Uh,
0: the most common by played games first.
1: played for both teams on baseball ref. Mark Reynolds, that
0: would have been. Oh, you know who played eight games with Cleveland? Jason Kubel. Kubel would have been oh, a wow. flex.
1: By the way, Denny McLean did win the 1960. He won back to back size, 1968, yeah. uh, 1969. This one, Matt Williams was another one.
2: Cleveland? Yeah, I should sure remember that. Mm, that's you my, played
1: there in ninety seven. That's my, that's
2: my bad. I'll take credit for that one. That's my bad. Uh,
1: well, you know what? Jordan Luplo. We'll dust ourselves off. Current twin. We'll try again tomorrow. Luplo Jordan played for Luplo. both. Richie D-back.
0: Sexton. Oh wow. Interesting.
1: I just I forgot about I gotta Sexton. be
2: I, I think the the D backs are one of the teams I know the least about, like as far as like identifying players.
1: Because guys go through, it's like you'll just have a random guy go through one at a time. Like, if you just pull up a random Diamondback season, like, let's just say 2005 Diamondbacks. Michael
0: Bourne. I should have gotten Michael Bourne.
1: Speedy. Michael Bourne was guy. speedy. Yeah. Astros. 2005 Diamondbacks. They had, like, like Royce Clayton played for the Diamondbacks in 2005. Remember that guy? Yeah. yeah. Royce Troy, Clayton. Troy Glouse.
0: Oliver Perez.
1: Luis Gonzalez has played for a few different teams. I don't. I just don't Sean think Sean Green. Did you know Sean Green played for the Diamondbacks? No, I just don't watch him. It's nuts. Alex Sintrone. That's another guy that's played for a bunch of teams. Quentin McCracken, former twin. How many, how many games did Sean Green play for Arizona? Or years? He had a big season that year. So he had uh, he played there ah. for a year and a half.
2: Tyler and, and Dodger,
1: I remember. He had that. 22 home runs the one year and then got off to a hot start got traded to the Mets <sighs> in 2006. It's a transient team like they'll just have random guys for a couple of years that you oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> and then they move on. Somewhere I'll else. Dust myself
2: off and come back next time.
1: So all right, well, 8 out of 9, we're a failure. We'll try again here. If you guys could to help boost the rejuvenated Scorner Twin show, which has come back a month and a half ago from a two-year hiatus. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and click the like and subscribe buttons on the Score North YouTube channel, we can keep this train rolling and growing all the way through. Maybe the Twins will win a playoff game for the first time in almost 20 years.
2: Hope they do it right.